Hello everyone, this is the Controller Disconnected Podcast. I am your host, Matthias Carnero. This is the final episode on the Resident Evil games, at least for now. Last time, we left off at the end of Resident Evil 2's story, and now we'll take a look at what else it has to offer with its extra gameplay modes and features. Come with me, and let's finish this together! Quick little heads up, if I don't sound all up to par on this episode, it's because I caught a little cold over the weekend. It's not what you think it is, but, you know, I've been having some body aches and some sneezes and some coughs, and maybe my voice doesn't really sound as good as it usually does, but I assure you everything is fine, and um, I'm gonna be well soon. So for now, stay home, wash your hands, and play some video games. Take care of yourselves. And now onto the episode. This is Nighthawk. Come in, Alpha. Alpha, do you read? Nighthawk, this is Hunk from Alpha Team. Man, I thought you were all wiped out. I've been trying I'm to... I'm at point K-12. Need info on my extraction. Guess there's no keeping down the Grim Reaper, huh? My extraction point. Relax, Mr. Reaper. I'm headed toward the front gate of RPD. Pick you up there. Got it. Unlocked after completing the game's both story sides, the fourth survivor follows the Umbrella Security Service operative Hunk as he tries to make his own escape from Raccoon City. He shows up before this during the main story in the videotape you can find on the body of a dead operative in the sewers. The USS Alpha Team were tasked with getting William Burkane and the G-Virus samples from him, but were forced to shoot the doctor after he attempted to open fire on them. The team left with only the samples, but were later attacked in the sewers after Birkin injected himself with the virus and ran roughshod through everyone who stood in his way. Hunk is the only survivor of the team, and even managed to grab one of the virus samples to boot. And now it's up to the player to make their way out of the city. You start off in the sewers, and must make your way to the front of the RPD for pickup. But don't think that just because you're dressed in all black and armed to the teeth, they will have it easy. This is arguably quite a bit harder than anything in the main game. Not necessarily from the enemies you'll be facing, but more so due to the gauntlet style you have to face them in. They're pretty much in all the rooms you enter, so there's always danger present. As I said, you start in the sewers and must make your way up from there. After dodging a few zombies, you make your way up above the cable car that leads to the nest. There's a pack of dogs minding their business that you can easily avoid if you move quickly enough and drop down to the floor below. There are a group of zombies having dinner on a poor fellow that you can also walk right past and hand off to a bridge you must cross. This place is crawling with zombies and doggos, so you should probably take more care and deal with all of them before crossing. Or if you're trying to go fast, then cross right through them at your own risk, but it's almost guaranteed you'll get at least one bite from doing that. After the bridge, you go down a flight of stairs and... Oh... Remember that room with the mutated flesh that I described in the last episode? I even put creepy music on and everything? You have to go through there. But, at least you don't have to go into the water, so... There's that for a small relief. The corridors above it are a pretty tight fit though, and it's got some zombies that get up as you go near them, so make a quick run for it, and you should be fine. After going up some more stairs, you end up back in the sewers, but on the other side from where you started. This is one of the first tricky parts of the run, as there are two G-monsters right on the middle of the path. There's no point in killing either one of them, because they take too many bullets that you should save for later. Unless you are really good, 
I assume this is the one free hit you'll let yourself take in order to keep running. You should still have an eye for one of your grenades, so let them grab you and stick it into them. After you run past them, go up some stairs, dodge the one lone zombie in your way, and enter the elevator behind the locker in the room to your right. You'll come to a very dark room, and by the time you pull out your flashlight, many zombies will get up after you. Don't waste time, there's too many to fight. Go up the stairs and take the first open door right in front of you. This will lead you to the boiler room where you first fight William Birkin in the main story, but this time there will only be a liquor and some more zombies. The liquor will take you on right away, so there's no way to go around him quietly. Pull out your magnum pistol and pop a few shots in his head, then keep running. At the end of this section, there will be a little crowd with zombies and dogs. Take your risks or take them out, your call as always. From there, you'll climb up the ladder leading to the parking garage and there will be yet more zombies getting up from the floor, so bolt it, buddy! The floor you must go through has a convenient green light above it, so go there. But be careful with 1. The zombie crawling on the ground, 2. The liquor on the ceiling, and 3. The dogs you will most definitely not see coming after your back. From the garage, you'll finally have made your way into the station. Just need to get to the front door, and Mr. X is here. And did you really think it would be this easy? <laughs> oh, you sweet innocent child. By the time I finish this sentence, you'll probably have your jaw broken twice. But if you hug the left wall on a corridor, you can slide past the big guy unscathed. You'll come out into the east side of the RPD, and will likely enter the first floor to cut through to the other side. Go through the right side of the office and take out the zombies in front of you. Remember that Mr. X is still behind you, so don't stop even for a single second. Leaving the office, you'll finally make it to the reception area, only to find that the front door is barricaded. You'll have to find another way out, so keep running. Enter the west office and go out through the other side, but be careful because there will be another liquor waiting for you just outside the door. Go past it on your tippy toes, and then run like hell once you're clear. Go up the stairs, and you'll find that Mr. X somehow went around you and managed to appear in your way again. If you still have a flash grenade, now is the time to use it. If you don't, you're kinda screwed. In the best of cases, you'll get another knuckle sandwich. There's nothing in the locker room, so you can breathe easy for a second there. You'll need to catch that breath because on the following corridor, there are the plant mosses from the nest greenhouse. You don't have any fire weapons this time, so you won't be able to put them down for good. They do have some weak spots that you can hit to slow them down, so shoot those and keep on running. You'll be just outside the library, but don't go in just yet. A zombie will pop the door open, so watch out for that. The library is nearly empty, so just cut across to the door. You'll come out on the upper part of the reception area, keep making your way back over to the east side, avoiding the zombie doggy in your way. This is the part where it starts to get very challenging. There's quite a large crowd on the east corridor, so take all those zombies out or you're not making it through. Take the left, and at the end of the corridor you'll have to make another tippy-toe walk past the liquor before running up the stairs. Also take a shot at the zombie on the top of the stairwell just to be safe. This is the home stretch now, don't let your guard down. You'll come out on the roof with two more gene monsters waiting for you, but disregard those ugly bastards and just go down on the ladder on the left. On the lower level there are more liquors, so you know the deal, be very very quiet. Go through one more corridor and down into the station courtyard, and get ready to unload the rest of your arsenal and everything you see. Now is the time to go John Rambo on their asses. Make it through to the other side of the corridor, turn around and bust open the main gate. The helicopter will arrive and take you to safety. You can rest easy now, Grim Reaper. Sit back, grab a drink, and have some tofu. Speaking of tofu...
This is Nighthawk. Come in, Alpha. Alpha, do you read? Man, I thought you were all wiped out. I've been trying to... Guess there's no keeping down the Grim Reaper, huh? Relax, Mr. I'm headed toward the front gate of RPD. Pick you up there. Hunk wasn't the only one running for his way out of the city. There was a certain block of soy milk also trying to escape right behind the USS operative. And its endeavor will be a lot harder than the soldiers. All joking aside, the Tofu Survivor is a little joke mode that's unlocked after you complete the fourth survivor mode at least once. As the name suggests, and as I said, you'll play as a block of tofu and must also escape from the city, armed only with a knife instead of a small army's arsenal. It's the same exact path as the fourth survivor, so I won't run it down again. Just picture a block of white, soft vegan food in the place of a spec up soldier, and you'll have the Tofu Survivor. As a bonus for beating this game mode, considering that you are that good at least, you unlock other Tofu characters to play it again. Along the original plain white Tofu with a combat knife, there's also Konjak, a red yam armed with a grenade launcher and a flamethrower, Widamochi, the green rice cake with lots and lots of hand grenades, the flan, I believe most people listening know what a flan is, yellow and armed with a spark shot, which is a big taser gun, a minigun, and a rocket launcher, which is a very impressive arsenal for such a small dessert. And lastly, the Anen Tofu, sweet white almond dessert equipped with a normal handgun and a revolver, ready to blast any zombies with its quick trigger finger. Pew pew! I mean, it doesn't have any fingers, but you know what I mean. All this talk of food has made me quite hungry. Let's take a break and grab a quick bite before coming back to talk about the ghost survivors. Welcome back! Excuse me. So, the Ghost Survivors. It was a pack of free DLC added some time after the release of the game. Its three levels made in a what-if scenario, with alternate levels beating sections of the main game with different characters as well. Each level also has an extra spin on the zombies for some added challenge. I won't run down each level completely because I wasn't able to complete them all, and also I want to leave some of it for you to find out when you play. The first of the levels is called No Time to Mourn. It follows Robert Kendo, the gun shop owner, who in the original game actually locks himself in a room with his infected little daughter after meeting Ada and Leon. We hear a gunshot after that, but his fate is left unknown. In this story, a friend of his calls to rescue him, and Kendo decides to escape alone as his daughter is too far gone with the virus to come with him. Your goal is to reach the container platform you fight William Birkin on in the main game, so you'll be making yet another trip through the sewers and all such places. The trick in this scenario is that some zombies are poisonous. You can tell because there's a purple smoke coming out from them. If they bite you, you'll get infected, so keep your distance when shooting them. But you'll still need to be careful after killing them, as they leave a puff of purple smoke that can still poison you for a short while after they're killed. This is the only level I managed to complete after a good few tries. I quite liked it. One interesting addition to the inventory management in all the Ghost Survivor levels are the backpack zombies and the dispensers. The backpack zombies are pretty self-explanatory. They're zombies who carry backpacks. Once you kill them, you can get the items from their backpacks, which are usually gunpowder or extra ammo, or in the case of the second level, keys that you need to open doors to continue progressing through the level. The dispensers work the same way, except you can only get one item from them at each time, so you have to be extra careful when picking what you need. Once you grab an item, they're closed off. 
They're pretty brightly colored, so it's easy to spot them if we're not too distracted killing zombies or running away. The second level is called Runaway, and it follows Catherine Warren, the daughter of the mayor of Raccoon City. You might know her as the lady in the white dress whose corpse is in Chief Irons' office in the orphanage. In the story, she overpowers and kills Irons and has to make her way to the police station and free her boyfriend, the journalist Ben, who also meets an unfortunate end in the main story. The spin on the gameplay this time is the Paleheads, nearly immortal zombies who recover from damage very quickly. You have a limited supply of high caliber rounds to put them down as well, but like I said, they're limited so you must manage them well. A few shots to the leg with normal ammo will keep them down for a while, enough to run past, so be strategic. The third level is called Forgotten Soldier. It's kind of an alternate version of the fourth survivor mode, since you play as a USS soldier who recovers a sample of the G-Virus and must escape the Umbrella Facility. Your challenge in this case are zombies who are wearing armor. How they got the armor on I have no idea, but they deflect any bullets you fire so you have to shoot them at their exposed parts to take them down. Those parts vary from zombie to zombie, so they're not all the same. Sometimes it's the chest, sometimes it's the leg, sometimes it's the head, you get the deal. I wasn't able to go very far on this level as it's pretty hard, with many crowns of zombies and the plant monsters too. There is one last level unlocked after you beat all the previous others, but since I haven't done so, I couldn't play it. From what I read, you play as a sheriff on the gas station from the very beginning of the game, so there's some tricky maneuvering involved as that place is very tight. If any of you listening managed to play it, please let me know what you thought of it. And thus concludes our quick look at the Resident Evil series. There are many more games in the series to be looked into, but I want to check some different stuff out before coming back to them. I will definitely talk about the Resident Evil 3 remake whenever I manage to get my hands on it. Maybe if Capcom is listening, they'll kindly offer me a review code to check it out? Eh, worth a try. As to what comes next on this podcast, stick around to find out. I hope to continue to entertain your ears no matter what game I talk about. And that does it for this episode of Controller Disconnected. Thank you very much for listening, and please leave us a kind review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. You can find an easy link to both in the show notes, or you can go straight to ratethispodcast.com slash condisconnected. Please subscribe wherever you may be listening, and we are available on all podcast platforms. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the handle at condisconnected. And last but not least, please share this episode with someone you know. Word of mouth really goes a long way to helping us grow. Once again, thank you for listening. I am Matthias Carnero, and wash your hands.